0: Welcome to The Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll & Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a biweekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We've got quite a bit to cover today. Yuan, why don't you kick us off?
1: Perfect. Thanks, Peter. We'll start today with two False Claims Act settlements. First, on July 21st, DOJ announced a $377 million settlement with Booz Allen over allegations that it violated the FCA by billing commercial and international costs to its government contracts. According to the allegations between 2011 and 2021, BOOS improperly allocated indirect commercial and international business costs to its government contracts and subcontracts while failing to disclose the methods by which it accounted for those costs. Now, as a result, Booz received reimbursement from the government for commercial activity costs that did not benefit the U.S. government. Second, on July 14th, DOJ announced a $31 million settlement with NextGen Healthcare related to allegations that it violated the FCA by misrepresenting the capabilities of certain versions of its electronic health record, or EHR, software, and by providing kickbacks to its users to induce them to recommend NextGen software. Now, under the Medicare and Medicaid EHR incentive program, HHS provides incentive payments to healthcare providers that adopt certified EHR technology and demonstrate meaningful use of that technology. Companies can have their products EHR certified by indicating that their products satisfy HHS criteria and by passing testing requirements. In a complaint filed with the settlement, the government alleged that NextGen falsely obtained certification for its software by relying on an auxiliary product designed only to perform the certification test scripts, which concealed from the certifying entity that NextGen's EHR lacked critical functionality and led its users' data to lack certain required functionalities, including the ability to record vital sign data, translate data into required medical vocabularies, and create complete clinical summaries. Now, the government also alleged that NextGen violated the anti-kickback statute by knowingly giving customers credit when those customers' recommendation of NextGen's EHR software led to a new sale of that software. Further, the government alleged that NextGen provided sporting and entertainment tickets for product referrals. So two settlements that are just another good reminder of the importance of compliance and internal controls, as well as the DOJ's current enforcement landscape. Peter, back to you.
0: Great. Next up, we're going to talk about uh, the White House National Cybersecurity Strategy Implementation Plan that was released in July of 2023. Uh, there's quite a bit here. The implementation plan is basically organized into five pillars. Some are probably of more relevance to government contractors than others. We'll just briefly touch on each of them and point out a couple of notable aspects. So pillar one, which is defend critical infrastructure, includes five strategic objectives. The first objective is to establish cybersecurity requirements to support national security and public safety. The second objective is to scale public-private collaboration. The third is to integrate federal cybersecurity centers. The fourth is to update federal incident response plans and processes. And the fifth is to modernize federal defenses. Then we move on to pillar two, which is disrupt and dismantle threat actors. That includes five strategic objectives that aim to integrate federal disruption activities, enhance public-private operational collaboration, increase the speed and scale of intelligence sharing and victim notification, prevent abuse of U.S.-based infrastructure, and counter cybercrime, defeat ransomware. Now we move on to pillar three, and this one is probably of most relevance to our government contractors. The third pillar is shape market forces to drive security and resilience, and it has six strategic objectives that aim to drive the development of secure Internet of Things, shift liability for insecure software products and services, use federal grants and other incentives to build in security leverage federal procurement to improve accountability, and explore federal cyber insurance. This pillar also calls out other initiatives that will propose changes to the federal acquisition regulation and will leverage the False Claims Act to improve cybersecurity compliance. Briefly touching on the other two pillars, pillar four, invest in a resilient future, has five objectives, including to secure the technical foundation of the Internet, reinvigorate federal research and development for cybersecurity, prepare for a post-quantum future, secure a clean energy future, and develop a national strategy to strengthen cyber workforce Finally, Pillar 5, which is focused on force international partnerships to pursue shaped goals, has five strategic objectives to build coalitions to counter threats to our digital ecosystem, strengthen international partner capacity, expand U.S. ability to assist allies and partners, build coalitions to reinforce global norms of responsible state behavior, and secure global supply chains for information communications and operational technology products and services. So a lot there, and obviously, uh, there's gonna be more guidance coming out that stems from this plan. We've got two other uh, developments, Yuan, why don't you talk about those?
1: Thanks, Peter. To close us out today, we're also tracking two other developments that may be of interest to government contractors. Now, we have detailed client alerts available online, so we'll just preview these briefly. First, on July 26, DOJ, OFAC, and BIS issued a compliance note focused on voluntary self-disclosures. The note highlights the government's focus on export controls and sanctions compliance and also provides a valuable reminder to companies that DOJ, OFAC, and BIS strongly encourage voluntary self-disclosures, which may provide tangible benefits, including the mitigation of potential civil and criminal penalties. Second, also on July 26th, the SEC finalized a long-awaited disclosure rule regarding cybersecurity risk management, strategy, governance, and incidents by public companies. Now, interestingly, the final rule provides a national security exception to the timing of a Form 8K disclosure of a material cybersecurity incident. If the U.S. Attorney General determines that such a disclosure poses a substantial risk to national security or public safety, then companies may delay providing the Form 8A disclosure until such a time determined by the Attorney General up to 30 days. Now, this national security delay exception appears to be in response to comments about how a delayed disclosure when there is an ongoing law enforcement investigation may not only facilitate the investigation, but may also be key to its success. Although the SEC's final rule applies only to companies with securities registered with the SEC, these concepts captured by the final rule may be helpful for all companies, especially when it comes to board oversight, management's cybersecurity expertise, and a company's understanding of its cybersecurity risks and incident response. Peter?
0: Perfect. We will wrap up this edition. Thanks for joining us. This has been The Fastest Five Minutes brought to you by Kroll & Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807, and you can be reached at 202-624-2666. Thank you.
1: The Fastest Five Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.